Welcome along to a celebratory Forever Blue and uh, it's all about the, the champions, the back-to-back champions, the 98 points versus the oh, unlucky Liverpool second <laughs> place, 97 points. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman, I've got uh, four of the gang here today, um, some of them couldn't make it, some are celebrating birthdays and whatnot, but everybody that could be here was here and we've got representatives of uh, me down at, the sta- uh, down at the stadium, that is Brighton, got people who were watching in City Square at home and we'll get their views on how it all unfolded as uh, our podcast goes through. Thanks very much to Hocklip Marketing, who are a Manchester-based company run by Tony. He's got a small team who gets you to the top of Google Ads. So if you've got a company and you want to get yourself more prominent for your advertising on social media, contact Tony, tell him you're a City fan. That'll get you... I'm sure a lot of goodwill and he'll help you and he'll be very good at that as well. So thanks very much to Tony and Hot Click Park Marketing. And thanks very much for the Holiday Inn in Manchester at Central Park who are our venue tonight for this podcast. So, guys, um, how are you feeling? Unbelievable, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> on top of the world, aren't we? Just, what a day, what a day. Just on a bit of a come down at the minute, but, well, we're still riding high, actually. A long time coming, though, got, got this whole week now, just... Love and just enjoyment. It was just unbelievable. What a day! How would you describe it? Would you describe it as a relief, or is it, or is it something else? Because certainly in the build-up to this last game, every time City won a game, it felt like an enormous relief to me. So was it relief on the final day to you? I think oh, but, would... oh, we haven't really introduced you all yet, have we? No, go on. I could, could be anyone, mate. Right, you, who are <laughs> you? <laughs> I'm Gary Barlow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam. Um, yeah, I, like I say, been a City fan for all my life, as you know. Um, yeah, and I'm buzzing, a bit hungover, but I'm, I'm riding high. I'm only doing this so you recognise the voices when they speak. Hello, I'm Matty Dove. Uh, pretty bad mood today. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Cloud nine today. Um, yeah, you might know me from being on the podcast before, but yeah, in an absolutely buzzing mood today. I'm Alan, uh, at R13th man on Twitter. He is um, Gary Neville. No, not anymore. <laughs> not after his, well, I think he was all right yesterday, Neville, but uh, yeah, he, he tried winding us up when it was 1-0 a bit. I think he's coming to... He did yeah. oh no, all this Yeah, oh no, stuff, and yeah. yeah, yeah, so forget about that for a minute. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna change my name to just Alan again now. Um, but yeah, um, City fan all my life, Ian. Um, I say I dreamed of moments like this, or shall I say dreamt of moments like this, but I didn't think as a nine-year-old that... I would never experience moments like this. So, yeah, um, to live it again and to win back-to-back titles for me um, and everybody here, you know, all, all young lads as well, and including yourself as well, very young man. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's a dream come true and uh, a dream that I never thought could be a dream, really. My name's Will, uh, season ticket holder for 12 years now in South Stand. Um, I was there at City Square. What an absolutely fantastic day. It was beautiful weather, beautiful football. Couldn't complain, really. Um, I could have done with staying there all day, but honestly, I didn't think I had the energy in me, really. Credit where credit's due. What, if you've watched any parts of the podcast on YouTube, on the Forever Blue channel, Will is our filmer, our cameraman, our editor. So thanks very much for that, Will. And you were, as you say, at City Square yesterday. I was down at Brighton and I was doing what I normally do and you went there and was, you were uh, a mini-me yesterday, weren't you? I was cheesy for the day. And, and the vlog, when it goes live, <laughs> and you may have already seen the vlog by the time you listen to this, but we'll have inserts from what Will was doing and what I was doing as well. So, Adam, I was interrupting your flow. You were watching it on TV, yeah. so tell me about your your experience what was the day yeah. like for you 
So I met all my uncles. We had I got a I got a game with my three cousins. So it's my dad, and my uncle, massive blues all our lives. You know, big season ticket holders. I've always been. They gave up theirs when when we were young and started playing football. Um, so we all went round to my uncles for the, uh, the Celtic Rangers game. Started drinking pretty early on. Was was in the mood for the game by the time it kicked off. We we'd had quite a few, and you talk about relief versus celebration. I think it was. It, there wasn't relief, I don't think. There was relief when we equalised, but I think from then on, it, it wasn't relief like we felt for the past three or four games where we've scraped 1-0, because that was just relief to get to the next game and the next game. But it, it, as soon as we scored that third, that was just pure celebration then. There was no relief then. We knew we deserved it. We knew we'd... We know we are probably the greatest team that's played, ever played in the Premier League. A lot of people are crediting that us now. And I just think it was just pure celebration for me. That might be because I had a load of drinks and I wasn't nervous at 3-1 and I wasn't thinking about how nervous I was for the last three or four games, but it was just pure celebration. And I, I actually enjoyed being at home this season to, to watch us do it rather than last season where I was at the ground with my uh, two cousins and my dad actually for that game because there was, we were all there and we were all able to sh- share an experience together and I'm going to do that this weekend as well for the F- FA Cup final. I think mm. there's something special about all your family getting together and enjoying it with people that you don't go to watch the game with normally so I, I had an unbelievable day. It was a top laugh. We do get people listening to the podcast who can't go to games. They might live abroad or whatever so it's interesting to hear you giving that perspective because I I was at the game so my perspective is is probably by some people so oh, I wish I could be there but what you did anybody can do really can't yeah, they yeah and it was it was as enjoyable I absolutely loved it and, and it was a great day it meant I could drink a lot lot cheaper beer and the company was was better than it would have been if I would have been travelled down with just two or three people it was brilliant did you go to the celebrations at the Etihad in the evening? I didn't. I was asleep. I, I, was, I, I, listened, I, I said this morning, I saw how many people there said, how has anyone got the energy to be there and travel down there? Because I was absolutely shattered. Yeah, the calves were aching. Yeah, I woke like, up so early in the like morning because I was so nervous about it. So I woke up really early. And obviously you've got the energy the whole game. It's mentally draining. And obviously you're drinking a lot as well. I was falling asleep at seven o'clock. And I used to get home at around 10, watch it on match the day, and I'd knock myself straight out, went straight to sleep, and uh, that was it. I was out like a light, so I, I, I didn't have the energy to go, really. As the celebrations happened, uh, i.e. the victory, what was your first thought? Was it City of Champions? Was it we've beaten Liverpool? Was it, ha United lost at home to Cardiff on the same day? I mean, what, what was in your mind at that moment? What, what is quite actually annoying that I feel like this, I felt like if we didn't win yesterday, the, this team and the squad wouldn't get the recognition that it deserves. And I felt like we, because we won it, we can now be seen as one of the greatest sides in Premier League history, if not the greatest yeah. side. So it's annoying that actually my first thought was, oh, everyone else will see us for what we are now instead of me and, and my thoughts yeah, yeah, being, same, yeah. being on my own. So it's quite, it's quite annoying at times that because we, we do tend to worry too much about what other people think of us sometimes and we should just concentrate on ourselves. But that was my initial, initial thought and I'm happy that... There's all the pundits are coming out and saying that's the greatest team I've ever seen. Alan Shearer last night said it without any doubt in his mind on match of the day. Um, and I love that. I, I still do like to see people appreciate what we're doing and realise what we're doing. Yeah, Matty, tell us your story. So I was with my extended family, I guess you could call them, the 10,000 Blues that were in uh, City <laughs> Square. And uh, obviously the way you described it, it must have been amazing to be with your family and to be surrounded by Blues, 10,000 of us in City Square was equally amazing. I think for Were you with where, mates there? Yeah, yeah, so I was with my friend. Where, I think wherever you were, wherever you were, whoever you were with, it was an amazing day yeah. for everyone involved. And I completely agree with what you said there about worrying about other people 
and it wasn't until I'd got home later that night and I was laying in bed and I was kind of thinking, wow, like I'm so lucky to watch this club and like how far we've come. It was like sort of a reflective mood later in the day. But during the game and afterwards, it was just a roller coaster of emotion. So I was like the elevation of like, we've done it. Yeah, and I yeah, remember yeah. as soon as Gundogan's free kick hit the net, I jumped on my friend. And I just went, we've done it. Like that was just like, it was sort of a sheer relief, but it was a sheer elation. Like we've, we've, mm. we've won the uh, league again. It was just... So 3-1 wasn't feeling. enough for you? No, because I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of, I was confident at that point. I was like, come on, we just got to hold on. But I, I promise you now, in the back of my head, I was going, oh, imagine if they get it back to 3-3. I was thinking of Palace Liverpool yeah, when it was 3-3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I, maybe it's just me being a pessimist, but I was still worried at that point. But as soon as the free kick went in, that I just came out with the words, we've done it. Like I, It was just relief in my head. And then just singing championes with all the blues around and, and singing all the city songs and watching them lift the title. It, it was just an amazing day all around. The sun was shining. If you watch the podcast, you'll see on my face. <laughs> Specifically one side of it that was uh, on the side of the sun is a little bit burnt, but completely worth it. And yeah, it was an amazing day. And I'm just, I'm still on cloud nine, to be honest with you. You were telling me before that the, the way the club did it they did it as if it was a match day. Yeah, so um, for those who weren't there, if you've been to the Etihad, they'll announce the team, they'll announce the players when they score. like, And the goal scorer, number eight, Ilkay Gundogan or whoever. So they did it like that. They did the, the preview, you know, before they do it at the game at the Etihad. So they saw us, I can't remember what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, yeah, that two-minute yeah. video clip, they showed that before the game. And yeah, they had the announcer and they had the confetti after the game which was a nice little touch and yeah it was, it was a brilliant day and credit to the club for putting it on for us and yeah I, I got in just before kick-off and uh, yeah I had a beer and yeah it was a great day. Did you come down for the, the late celebration? No so I'd been out the night before uh, didn't get in till 6am and then I was up at 10am for the uh, game I didn't really sleep after I got in at 6am because I was worried about the game um, <laughs> making a bit of this Matty by the way <laughs> to he enjoys going out before a match now <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's my way of settling the nerves I don't know but um, yeah I, I was sort of so tired and my friend had to go um, he was up early the next day so I agreed like once we watched the company lift the title uh, we went home but yeah in the car home I was just sort of knackered it's like You've got that up and then you, you sort of brought that down to earth when you've calmed down and you're just reflecting on it all and yeah, it was crazy. What was your experience, Alan? Delayed gratification, Ian, I think I could, if I can sum the season up in two words, it was it was only a matter of time and had we not won it, it would have been such an injustice, in my opinion, based on the, if you look at the whole season, you know, you were saying... So that, that was your, like Adam was saying, yeah. your first thought was, yeah, that, that we proved the doubters wrong, or, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's sad that, that we have to thing. feel that way, and I'm, I'm completely not saying we're Adam. The first thought in your mind now is, I just want everyone to see that we've beaten them to the title, but fully deserved it anyway, because I don't think the points tell these do it justice. If I'm honest with you, that's not me being a cynic, that's not, not me being... Uh, uh, brutal or anything it's just me being honest and I think that if we were to look at the whole season broken down and look at the decisions and everything else I'm looking at it from a different perspective Adrian, I think that we'd be miles ahead again I really do but the fact it was so tight and we won it the way we did yesterday by a point I think it, it felt a lot juicier if I can give it a word it felt a lot a lot more amazing and I don't think like I said um, a couple of weeks back you can you can compare the two title races and say that you know, one's better than the other. 
But I think that the, the fact that we've shown that we can do it both ways now, that we can be utterly dominant one season and that we can win it the way that we won it yesterday and take it to the wire and, and from being 10 points behind with a game in hand on Boxing Day, uh, sorry, on the 30th of December, to then you know having 14 games on the bounce to win, to win the title. I think that we've shown both sides of our capabilities um, a credit to Pep, the backroom staff, the team and the fans because we've carried them players through games this season at home. The Tottenham game, the United game, the Liverpool game in January, um, the game against Leicester last week. I'm sure we we willed company to hit that ball even though in the back of our minds we didn't want him to because we thought it might go players into family stand. I think that we, we've willed the players on and you asked us a couple of months back in, do you think that makes a difference to players? And I genuinely think that we've given that extra ounce of energy that they've needed during matches to get over the line and get that goal that's made it 1-0. I assume your Jess, who you always yeah, mention, yeah, yeah. Was, uh, was in your arms uh, she as was. the final whistle went. She was, and she, she, she <laughs> celebrated <laughs> Elkai's goal. She celebrated Elkai's goal like you've never seen anyone celebrate a goal in her life. He's a favourite player. She's dreading the fact that he could potentially leave the club. She really wants him to stay, but... I was there with my best pal of 16 years, Joel, who you saw at the podcast a couple of weeks back. We were ribbed at school together. I hugged him when we scored the fourth and said, this is what we went, we went through all this for this moment. Um, you know, all the stuff that we had to put up with from the Reds and from, not Liverpool fans, because they weren't winning the title back then either. But yeah. um, all, all the stuff we had to put up with, all the ribbons and stuff, you know, me and Joel have been through, through well, to hell and back with, 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 with insults over the years. And to be there with him, to be doing the thing that I love more than anything in the world, supporting my club to win a title, and to be there with my girlfriend of five years, who's a massive blue, her dad's a blue, her two twin brothers are blues. I've met Jess, and I think that it's fate that I met her because we're both massive blues and we joined at the hip now. So, yeah, it's amazing. Will, what's your experience? Um, I think the main thing I noticed yesterday was after Brighton scored, I wasn't that worried, I don't think. If you can, I was. <laughs> if, but if you compare, if you compare like the overall atmosphere of when we went down against QPR, that was the end of the world, wasn't it? It was head in hands, people were crying, we expected us to lose, and the fact that we won was just a complete miracle. Whereas this time round, as soon as Brighton scored, I thought, oh, we're just going to have to do it the hard way then. And I think that's the mentality that's changing in City fans. Instead of being, you know, watching through our fingers and thinking the worst, we sort of, we expect it to be hard, but we still expect us to come out the other side as well. And I think that's... That's why I noticed. Were you with people? Were you on your own? I know you bumped into a couple of our podcast team. Well, funnily, you said um, everyone, you know, some, something everyone can do is have friends and family with City. Unfortunately, I don't. All my friends and family are United fans. So come into the, it was either sit by myself and watch it or come to the ground and share it with people. And I know what I'd rather do. Well, obviously, you were filming a bit for my vlog. Did that add to it, or did that or did that mean that you were a bit more detached from the whole experience? Funnily enough, I was. It, it made me worry less about the football and more about the filming. And even the night before, I was thinking, right, so I have to get some Wi-Fi sorted, and where you, and it just took my mind off it. So I was, I was glad of it in a way. Were you surprised by the numbers that were there? I mean. Um, I think they almost could have got more, to be honest. I did. The, yeah. the, the, the space in the middle was pretty full, but there's plenty of space around the sides with loads of screens where I reckon another two, 3,000 probably could have squeezed in. I don't think I asked you, Harlan, but I'll ask the two of you now. Did either of you go uh, late on? At yeah, ten, I, I ten stayed all the way through. We went to Meredith for two hours, waited in there, went to Chip, he got chips and curry. Did you open the back up at Meredith? Um, yeah, the whole back was up. The oh, car park was open as well. Mary oh, really? D's wasn't as full as I thought it would be because I think people were trying to soak up the rays. 
But, yeah. um, oh, there was there was ole 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 Hang going on. on. Soak the rays. It was ten thirty, wasn't it, when they came on stage? <laughs> oh, no, no, we're married. I mean, when you said it was the back open, but yeah, no, we we came back over the road. Um, we got there for half eight. Um, Jess was then telling me that she was going to turn into Usain Bolt, and she didn't care if she lost me for ten minutes. So she belted it through when they opened the barriers. She got right to the front. She got on I sport bibles. She got on absolutely yeah, everything. I saw that. I saw yeah. that. Um, and me and Joel were stuck about four rows back. Um, and yeah, but the experience wasn't any different for us. We just really soaked it all up. And I think the fact that the club, I mean, there's something about our club. There's something classy about they it. Do it the right way. My mum's they? always said it. You know, my mum's not a massive football fan, but as my mum and going through everything that I've been through as a kid, she's always said to me that. Our club are classier than a lot of other clubs. We organise things, we're on point, we get everything done you know, to the best quality we can do it. We can organise things on the t- flip of a coin uh, and everything's so professional and organised and I think the fact that it was so fluent for everybody, if you did want to stay, you yeah. could. It was an amazing day and I think that there's only our club can do things like that I was, on the day. I was so proud of them when they said, look, we're going to get the players back. If you want to stay, please do. It just felt like the right thing to do rather than just let everyone sort of wander off and it filter out into nothingness. Like, please stay, look, we'll make this a top day. I think we, we slag off the club quite a lot for the City Square type stuff. We've done it on this podcast and we've done it. I don't like how long it goes on for. I mean, we've said it all before, it's covering all ground, but... What they did yesterday seems brilliant and I'm so happy that it went right because, to be honest, before it, I was thinking, you know, they should have done it in the stadium, all this. I was feeling a bit negative about it. It's like, they're not going to do it how we'd want it to be done. There's going to be people coming out complaining. You're not going to be able to get drinks, all that type of stuff. I was hearing the queues are massive before it going in, thinking it's going to be a disaster. And that, didn't, that wasn't the reason why I didn't go, but I was thinking that. And, but it, it, by what you guys are saying, that it was clearly brilliant. Everyone loved it, and credit where credit's due in terms of City Square and the club on on that. And yeah, so they certainly deserve the, the praise that they're getting for Were it. Were there more people there at night? Did you get a sense that more people arrived, or was it basically the same crowd? There was a lot stayed? more people when I watched it back this morning on the video than I thought was behind me because I'm five rows back, and I kept looking round, and the look like it was only another. I mean, your Daniel was there, wasn't he? And he was like, my family went down. He was about yeah. fifteen rows back from what I can gather on the video, maybe twenty rows back. And it went right back to where I think the, uh, you know, where the trucks are on on a match day. All right. So right back to yeah, past yeah. City at home. I past think the it went. That. Oh, so past City. At I home, think right. it did on that that fence just in front of City home where right, we okay, did the yeah. podcast of a week. And, yeah. Um, when I look back on the video, I mean, it went proper wide. It went towards like the statue of, uh, the runner, you know, outside yeah, the yeah, regional yeah. athletics and all that. So I think the fact that it was it was that vast More at that time and night was unbelievable. When I I left at about half eight something like that and there's only about a thousand two thousand people sort of milling around city square so it must have more people must have come well, you said invite your friends your family yeah, whatever yeah, you want said, and get them to get here for half eight nine yeah, o'clock yeah. So. well I, I got a text from my son who'd been watching the game on tv saying have you seen this and it was the graphic saying that they were going to do this welcome home um, and he said, shall I go? I said, of course you should go. <laughs> yeah. So he went down with his mum and, and watched it all. So they were obviously extra. They didn't go down for the screening earlier in the day. From my perspective, when I got that, it felt a bit surreal to think that I would be on... I was in Birmingham when all that was happening, halfway back from Brighton, because I didn't leave till about 7.30. Mm. Uh, of the celebrations mm. went on on the pitch until... Six o'clock, I'd say, uh, before everybody had gone off the pitch. 
then obviously I do editing and stuff like that and then I've got to drive back. Um, I mean, my own experience down there was it was a red hot day. I travelled down with my mate who used to be with me for any older listeners and those who've been going home and away for a long time will remember a guy called Charlie who's my best mate who we used to be on the football specials together selling the pies and the sausage rolls and me and him have travelled basically to away games since I was a, you know, a teenager, I mean, he's, 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 you know, we've done every game together all over the place. So to be with him, to go down there together, we weren't together during the game, we had seats in different bits of the stands, but, and to, to come home together as well, even though he can be a bit of a grumpy sod sometimes, <laughs> but actually to have the, the chance to share that, that experience with him was phenomenal. I spoke, of course, to loads of City fans and doing that in itself is very life-affirming, really, because you can share their enjoyment and their experience. And I've got this funny combination, because I was a journalist for so long, of being somebody who can be distant, which you'll relate to, Will, in what you were doing yesterday, because it was a relatively new experience, perhaps, for you, but actually being able to focus on what I'm doing and concentrate and yet still enjoy it and feel the emotion of it. And it's tricky to do that. Uh, I, I remember when the third goal went in uh, that I suddenly found myself welling up. I am a bit yeah. of a softy, but there were tears rolling down my cheeks. Um, and, and I didn't expect that because we were winning. We weren't, I wasn't crying yeah. because we were losing or it was going wrong, but the sheer emotion. When the fourth one went in, I was that minded that I actually... I'd, I thought, I'm not taking my eyes off this because he could score here. So I actually held the, me, me, me camera up, uh, pointing it at the crowd because you're not allowed for um, copyright reasons to film the actual action. So I filmed the crowd, but I didn't look at what I was filming. I was watching the free kick. And then afterwards, I watched it back and I thought, brilliant, I've got the reaction of the crowd. Yeah, um, so so that, that worked for me. And then after the crowd had reacted a little bit, I, was, I found myself running up and down. I was on the end of a row. I was going up and down the steps, hugging people. <laughs> you know. running up and down <laughs> the steps. Yeah, <laughs> which, which was just amazing. No lift. <laughs> no, no, no Stenna Sterling. No. <laughs> yeah. So let's ask you then, Ian, was it, was it relief for you or was it... Let, let's, let's, we'll become the interviewer. Yeah. Let's yeah. Yeah. You. So for you, was it relief or was it... Was it Pride Absolute. I think it was a combination of all those things. I mean, yeah. it was a massive relief. And uh, certainly coming out of the derby and coming out of Burnley, there was a massive sense of relief. Um, I didn't actually feel that nervous beforehand. So other people who said to me that they weren't sleeping well, yeah, I stayed in a hotel in Crawley the night before <laughs> and I can't say I slept very well, but it was nothing to do with being nervous the room was dead hot. It was a particularly <laughs> comfortable bed and all the rest of it. But no, uh, I wasn't nervous beforehand. Even though I didn't want to say it or admit it, I actually felt quite confident that they were going to do it. Mm. Um, and even, uh, I think you said, Will, that when we went a goal behind, you still felt yeah. fairly comfortable that they could turn it around. And so did I. I thought, oh, well, right, OK, so that'll give them a bit of a G up. But I didn't actually think, oh, that's it. I didn't... So I saw pictures, I watched Match of the Day's highlights and I saw fans in the crowd who were a bit heads in hands because they obviously searched them out, don't they? Mm. I don't think the majority of fans felt like that. I think if you've caught one, uh, and you can never be sure when you watch these highlights when the picture of the head in hands actually was. I'm yeah. always a bit sceptical about that because yeah. I've moved it, I worked in the media. But I don't think the majority of people were like that. It was too early in the game and City are too good for that now to be a problem, and so it proved. Um, City Square was the same though, wasn't it? You know, I didn't see many heads drop 
when the goal went in. I saw I saw it for maybe what five seconds where it was like, oh no, I can't believe he's just scored that. Yeah. Or oh, what's Zinchenko yeah. doing on on on, on Murray? The nature that was the of the reaction. goal, yeah. The nature of the goal. Oh, we need to learn how to defend set pieces, yeah. but it was more. A, Straight from it, you know, ten seconds after it was, it was come like, on, City, like optimism. Yeah, you know what I mean? Again, it was motivation. I think our fans are learning now as well. You know, I think it's be... because it was so early as well. You know that the, the QPR goal, the, the second QPR goal, was a lot that later Mackie in the one, game. Oh, yeah. That the Mackie one was a lot later in the game, so it felt like we needed to do something really quickly. But we know it, it was. What was I can't remember what minute it was, but it was you know halfway through the first half that they scored the goal. There's plenty of football there. You th- we said and we thought at the time. If if they're gonna to score today, we'd rather them score now than score later. I think that was the feeling that everyone everyone had. And I don't think the Aguero goal meant that we didn't have much time to think about it too much and get to work. It was key that he scored when yeah, he scored. Though, it needed it? to yeah. be that fast, otherwise it was gonna get more scrappy. We were gonna lose our heads. The fans were gonna get more nervous. There'd be more people with head in hands than there were when it first went in. That percentage of come on City and head in hands would have gone head in hands way definitely. So it was so important that Aguero goal. This comment might sound patronising. I certainly don't mean it to be, um, but I sense because one of you said I can't remember who it was. It might have been you, Adam said something about um, education, something like that, fans learning or something. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. use, Harlan. And, and it's interesting that, because on the way back, when I was talking to my, my mate, uh, you know, we're older fans, and he said to me, I've sensed that there is now a more of a football intelligence from some of our fans who are starting now, instead of going, get rid of it, it's it, you know, bang it away. You and, and this is true. I could hear people around me saying, keep possession, control it, don't give it away. And I thought, ah, and, and he's right what my mate said. We, we now, it's like we've been educated. That's the bit that sounds as if it's I'm like patronising. It's to understand the style and the system and yeah, way of playing. It took a while because we watched... As City fans, the, the trouble is you're all relatively young, but as City fans, and this isn't meant patronising no. either, by the way, but as City fans, we've been used to watching fairly ordinary, and I'm being kind here, football, right? And now we're watching a different level of football. So I do believe that when that happens, it ha- it's happening in reverse to Liverpool, because Liverpool played beautiful football, um, and, and you know passing football and, and football that I admired when they were playing in their glory years so when they started to slide down the scale they may have had the opposite problem of having to get used to watching players who do who feel I'm not talking about this generation but I'm talking about all this big gap when they've not been great now they're, they're, they're great again you know but they did have that period. Mm. Do you feel then that, that you're now watching the game differently because of the way Pep's I, team plays? I think the perfect example is Edison. I mean, two, three years ago, if, if, if you'd have passed it back to the goalie and the attacker was rushing on, you'd sort of go, oh, what's he doing here? You'd hear the anxiety in the crowd, wouldn't you? laugh now. But with Edison, yeah. you just know he's going to probably try and Cruyff turn him, chip it out to the left wing, and we're going to start an attack again. And you Fans start clapping it. before he's even touched it. No we know what's coming here now. Do you know what I mean? And then... Like you said, Cruyff turn or a cheeky dip. Yeah, and, and the away fans will still try and, oh, and he just does it and everyone goes, yeah, Edison, that's what we expected. So Ed- think- Edison's the kind of guy that, I don't know if any of you have heard the chant in the lower leagues, that they do. I'm not going to repeat it because it's a podcast, but when, when a keeper's taking a run up for a goal yeah, kick and they yeah, go, oh, yeah, you, yeah. something, ah, like that. <laughs> yeah. They could do that to Edison and he'd probably back heel it. Yeah. At the end, you know what I mean? He'd probably turn around and back heel it 50 yard. You know what I mean, or something? I think... I think- it's similar with Edison as it is with Pep. I think the, the education comes from trust. Fans are starting to trust 
the team. They know that the way City play is the way we won the league. So maybe first season there would have been a lot more of that. Oh, get rid of it because in the first season Pep's style of play we were struggling to adapt to it a little bit and the players didn't really suit the way we wanted to play, especially when Joe Hart was in net or Bravo was in net. Whereas Edison, the fans trust him. So when it does go back to him, we're like, oh, well, we know he's going to deal with it easily. And it's the same with Pep's style of play. We know the way we won the league with 100 points last season, by playing that style of play, you've just got to trust the players that that way of playing works for us. And that's why we are so successful. So when fans are watching us, they're not so inclined to be like, get rid of it, because they know that for how successful we've been is due to the way we play. I think the age of the fan matters as well. We, we, our average age of a fan match growing fan is one of the oldest in leagues, around 45, 50 average age, because we, we missed the generation when United were great and we were, we were poor. And I think it, the younger fans, we believe, well, I certainly, and all, all my cousins speaking from a, a generation to my family point of view, it's happening that the younger fans believed it straight away and stuck within the first season. The, the, the middle age or the average age, um, average age fan wasn't really into it for the first season, but have now got into it, and now they're just as as into the style of football as the younger guys are. But but the older ones, the seventy odd year olds, the sixty odd year olds, my two granddads are still hoof it. Get get rid of it. Why are we messing around with it? And you try and explain to them why we're doing it, and it's for this purpose, and this is why we're so good that we do this. But there's still people now that, are, that because they've, they've watched football, who am I to say, you know, this would change their opinions. They've watched football for, for 70 odd years a certain way. And for someone to come in and change it, that's quite a culture shock. And they don't understand it because football has been football that way for so long. So and I respect that. But they, they, some of them still don't get it. But it certainly is an age thing. And I think the older you are, the longer it takes to adapt because you've been used to that football you've been talking about for so long. So it's been interesting. Me, I've got three generations of Blues who, who watch it every single week with me when I'm at the game, but also at home watching it. And, and that steady change of people eventually, it, you know, in a few years, 100% converted. And that will be, when Pep Guardiola goes, that's the way all our fans will expect our team to play. Because if Guardiola wasn't successful... We'd, we might have brought in, not Josie Amino, a similar manager to him, someone, a pragmatist who would change the way we play and we'd all go, oh, yeah, that's great. But we wouldn't accept a manager like that now and Barcelona don't accept a manager like that now. They've got a blueprint that they stick to and the fans expect that and now we expect, expect that. And when Pep leaves, we're, we're going to be demanding the football. So rather than Pep Guardiola demanding that the fans adjust, we're now going to demand that a manager adjusts to the way that we play. To his kind of mould. So they've yeah. got to fill a mould. There's yeah. a mould that already got that mould set now. Guardiola you know, has set that mould. If you're not going to fill that mould, you ain't, you ain't going to be the manager. It's as simple as that. Yeah. But I just want to jump in here, and if you don't mind, for just two seconds. So we're talking about the style of play and stuff, and obviously, there's, well, us, us four here, um, you know, we're all under the age of 30, aren't we? So we, we don't remember York away, and we don't remember the, the, the really dark days. However... Um, just because, you know, I mean, the first full season I remember watching, like, avidly as a blue was all 2 or 3 under Keegan. But that's only six years before the takeover, no? Right, so that's only six years. But that six years can be six years different to someone than it is to somebody else. So it depends on how much ribbon you're getting at school. It, it can feel a lot longer, that six years, is what I'm trying to say, than just six years, six times 365 days. Going into school every day throughout school year, if you've lost on the weekend... It, it, it drains you a bit and I think the fact that even we can appreciate the fact now that we had some dark days ourselves even though they weren't 20 years prior I'm talking or about the Stuart prior. Pierce era really aren't I'm it? talking about <laughs> Pierce. I'm talking about the, the Keegan season where he left us in a rut 
and Pace had to dig us out of it. And ninth was like a far cry, and then he dug us out, and then used when we drew them, 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 them seven, eight, eight, seven, seven, eight games on the bounce, and it was a bit doom and gloom still. However, we've been taken over then. I just think I remember individual matches, you know, having to grind against Villa in the cup when Richard stepped up and scored. That was one of the hardest games I watched as a kid, and 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 for Richard to step up when he did and score, that was unbelievable. But just because we weren't there. 20 years ago at York away it doesn't mean that we don't appreciate what we're watching now well, I was it's a far s- cry from I was going to ask that watching. actually because you know you, as you say your average age is, is younger I certainly at my stage of life am thinking wow I'm enjoying every second of this because my experience of life tells me that this won't last forever and, I, and in this podcast I want to be really positive and we'll save it for another podcast when we talk about what happens when Pep goes. So that's not really the, the question I'm asking. But in terms of uh, of 198 points in two seasons, of two League Cups in a row, uh, an FA Cup potentially uh, in the last match of the season, uh, twice getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League in that time as well, it's hard to imagine that under any manager... At any situation going forward, even though Pep said, and he said it more than once this week, we'll be better next season. I, I, I'm thinking to myself, how can this get any better? I, had, I just want to savour it. I just want to enjoy yeah. every second of this because it might be, I hope it isn't, but this might be the absolute peak of everything. Do you, you think that or I, you have a, a different mindset? I was thinking mindset? about this last night and my message would be to myself, to you sat here and, and to people listening is just to enjoy it. I know we get caught up a lot these days in social media and you were talking about opposition fans and like what they make of us and how much they respect us. But for us, I think we might be part of the last generation who got to see... Like I was a season ticket holder where we didn't score at home for five months and I'm sure a lot of people listening would have been there as well. And I think that makes Man City fans even more grateful for what we get to witness now because it's like such a far cry from what we grew, what I grew up with anyway and what you sat around this table grew up with as well. And we're so lucky to, to watch such magnificent football and watch some of the best players in the world playing beautiful football. And to get 198 points over two Phenomenal. seasons absolutely ridiculous and so what if some Liverpool fan comments about an empty seat on Twitter and this is a, I'm talking to myself here as well because I get wound up but at the end of the day does it really matter if we didn't have social media would we really care that there was an empty seat or would we just be admiring such wonderful football and yeah it, it is a few empty seats 198 points in two seasons <laughs> exactly yeah. we've won the title back to back it hasn't happened for 10 years it's a phenomenal achievement and as you said it could get better some of our players Pep's laying the foundations for years to come he's not buying players who are already proven world class players Bernardo Silva in his first season struggled to adapt a little bit and he's been arguably our best player this season I cannot speak highly enough of him he's laying the foundations with the players that he's signed to create a style of football that will surpass his legacy at City and yeah it's just it's just amazing he's leaving the club in good hands isn't he for the next gaffer that does come in if it is Arteta then fantastic if it's not he's, he's leaving a superb club I saw someone, someone say um, some people might know him True Jordy he said that once Pep Guardiola leaves it will all crumble it will all fall down that is absolute nonsense I'm telling you we are here to stay for a long time but don't take it for granted 
treat it as if it might get a beer out the fridge yeah. tonight, listening to the podcast, and sit back, put your feet up, watch, just watch it, it back, just and enjoy, enjoy it. Yes, it might not be trophy laden like this, but I'm convinced the football style, which is what you're talking about, of of building a, a Barcelona, and I'm just using them as an example, blueprint. And I think the blueprint of City is now this type of football. Does it? Do you, I assume you all remember last season where everyone said there's no way you'll get 100 points again. You'll never do it ever again. You'll never get as close. And basically, we were one penalty kick away from 100 points again, weren't we? Yeah. Um, but I suppose my point is, if we'd have won the league with 80 points and just scraped past Liverpool, would you'd still be as pleased, wouldn't you? Certainly with the yeah. style of football that we play. I mean, this is, this is what I've dreamed of all my life. Yeah, not... And also, just to remind you, we didn't have our best player for yes. most of the season. Two of the best players. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the MEN put out, put out a start that company, Fernandinho, Kevin De Bruyne and Aguero have missed 41 games, well now 42 uh, games this season. Between them? Um, oh, between so them, you know, putting it all together in terms of... So that's that's four. Well, now it'll be forty three because obviously Kev. Well, Kev played, could be played. So we get forty two now because Fernandinho didn't play. But Liverpool, uh, Virgil Van Dijk, and then their front three only missed five games all season between them. That is unbelievable. You know they were a great, great side, Liverpool. Unbelievable. But like thirteen, fourteen, they didn't have any. They had had injuries all season. There was it Gomez had an injury for a bit. Arnold was out for a little bit. It's nothing compared to what we had. That and that shows that it's the the way we play, not just the players that that affects and and makes us uh, as good as we are. On that, because that is a great point, Adam. On that, it leads me straight into the fact that you cannot buy a title the way you know you, you don't buy what we experienced yesterday. You don't buy a hundred points. You 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 purchase players like anybody does in any business. You you purchase something. If you win the lottery, it's up to you what you spend your money on. Do you know what I mean? And what I'm trying to say is, at the end of the day, we've, we've bought players, but there was no guarantee with them purchases that as a team that was going to work. Look at you Man United. Well, look yeah. at Fulham. They you spent 100 million and went down. You so. could assemble the best, 25 in, the, the best 25 in Europe, right? And then the second best 25 in Europe, split the two teams down the middle and, and have two teams, you know, and, and there's no guarantees in a league title that they'd finish top two. Because it's got to work. You've got to have the right manager, the right mentality, the right style of play. You've got to have the right characters in your squad. You've got to have motivators in there. You've got to have leaders. You know, captain mentality. Fans, the fans have got to be there as well, believing, reading off the same blueprint and the same in sheet. The whole thing's got to work. And what, what Pep's got is a well-oiled machine. And he's just oiling and oiling it every single year. And like you said, this machine isn't going to stop. No. I'm sorry, just to remind you as well, it's not over. We've got another. We've got, we've got another a trophy final. to win yet. We could win a treble. It's yeah, crazy. It won't get better than the trophies. Well, let's talk about that now then, because obviously before the the, the league game, um, people were fairly tense, and I noticed as it got towards the end, people stopped instead of having these wildly optimistic predictions of we'll thrash Burnley five nil today. <laughs> it did start to be. I think we'll beat them two one. And I thought, oh, right, the realism's uh-huh. come a bit more now, has it? So now having won the double of the Premier League and the League Cup, and some will say because Mourinho, when he was at United, called the Community Shield a, another trophy, so some people would argue we're going for the quad. Having got three of the quad, now that that's all happened, is, is everybody going to be going, oh, yeah, we'll beat Watford, they lost 4-1 at the weekend, we'll beat them 5-0. Different yeah. game. Or, or is there still, even in your generation, something in our DNA 
that makes finals. it a bit more... Cup finals Wigan, 2013. That's all you need to know. So, yeah, so even though, you know, we weren't there to see the bad times where a typical city was born and that type of stuff, um, we yeah, saw the slip it, up, yeah. even though we backed we'd all the money, we'd won the league the previous season in unbelievable circumstances. Anything can happen in a, in a, in a cup final, doesn't matter what team you are. You know, you look at PSG in the cup final the other week, they got beat, was it Rene? And they got battered in the cup final. Probably because they showed up and thought they were going to win. Just like we probably showed up and thought we were going to win against Wigan. Yeah, you've, you've got to turn up and you've got to play. It's going to be completely different. And But I, I'd like to think now that because we've so much rides on it and history books ride on it, yeah. Pep There's another the factor, fact. though. There's another factor. Well, that you listen to Vincent Company doing his speech and, and his interviews, which he has done. You you may have heard more and bit different bits than I've heard. When I listen to that man and the way that he talks and the way that he leads, and you get a sense of what is happening in that dressing room. Yeah. It isn't just about somebody saying like like you know a will in the corner of the dressing room going, "We did lose to Wigan <laughs> in 2013." These are these are. Um, you know, highly motivated players, and yeah. I, I think I, I heard company more or less say something like, "Right, we're going to celebrate tonight, but then we refocus, we reset, because yeah. we want that cup." And, that's what and they said doing. it like they meant it, mm. not just. And we also want to win the FA Cup, which is what a PR person trained player would. Well, you've got to say that. That didn't feel like that. It felt like it came right from the heart. I don't, That's what encourages me. I don't know if you've me. seen the image, but there's actually a picture of Pep on the is it on the plane back, and he's sat watching doing tactical <laughs> yeah, analysis. He's analysing the game. game. There's players drinking champagne behind. I him. put it on mine before. He's analysing the game with a trophy in front of him with a can of Heineken next to him, and the other coach is looking at the analysis <laughs> with him. He's unbelievable. He's an obsessive. But he's a beautiful obsessive. Yeah. Can I just point out the FA Cups? The only domestic trophy company's not lifted. There we go. Yeah, because Tevez lifted it back in there. 2011, yeah. There we go. So He's going to that's, that's and if, he, if he leaves this summer, he could have every single trophy bar the European yeah. Cup. But domestically, as fans, single. as fans going down there, I don't know about you, Fro, but I'll go there a bit more relaxed. Like because we won the league, I'm not. Obviously, I want to win it, and during the game, if we're losing, I'll probably be going crazy and stuff. But at the minute, I'm thinking, if we win it, it'll be brilliant. It's the tension's to, gone, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's almost like being an underdog again. You can just go for the day out. You yeah. don't have to think, oh, God, what if we lose? I'll to still a stand there and applaud the players off the pitch if we lose the game. But if we can win it, it'll be the, yeah. the cherry it's on the trophy. Game. It's a lovely trophy. I love, I love the effort. This is a magic. The magic of the FA Cup hasn't gone for me. For a lot of fans, the magic's gone and people treat it like a, a Mickey Mouse Cup. The, the FA Cup should never, ever be disrespected. No matter what level you're playing at, no matter how many trophies you win in a season, no matter how many points you're accumulating, the FA Cup is the oldest trophy in this country. The, one of the oldest in the world, isn't it? So it is. yeah. The oldest trophy in the world. Pep said, it, Pep said it's the oldest in the world and he really it, wants it's, it. Yeah. It's the most magical trophy, apart from the title for us now, obviously, and, and apart from the Premier League title, it's, it's, it's the biggest in this country. But the FA Cup is a wonderful competition and it's a dream of mine to see us lift it again. Let me just ask you now, because we've talked for 40 minutes about the emotion of it all and we've talked a little bit about the FA Cup and I don't want to make this podcast anything but a celebration really. However, there are still things that I think we need to talk about, like the match, like the team selection and I for one would like to applaud Matty because last week we were talking about who would play in the game and the only person who came out with Riyad Mahrez starting was Matty. If I was here I'd have said the same. I loved it. How many times have I put Mahrez? If you watch my YouTube video, right, I said Mahrez. So that means you two then were 
not surprised and happy. I was laughing at Matty last week on a podcast. Yeah. I was giving him all sorts of looks. I wasn't necessarily saying I wanted it to happen, but yeah. I suggested that it, it might happen. And also, there was a, a podcast a few months ago where you were talking about, oh, Liverpool might slip up here, City might slip up here. And I guess that you have to do that. But I remember saying, there is a chance both teams could win. On paper, both teams win all them games. And of course, you foresee someone's going to slip up at some point. But yeah, the fact that neither team did is, is something that I sort of could happen. And yeah... Um, Mara's proved everyone wrong, didn't he, on Saturday? Well, I thought I thought it was pretty average anyway. I thought he had a great game, game, mate. Did you? I thought, I was, was, I thought I was it was really class, mate. I did. I, I was did. really drunk, so my opinion probably. Def- defense, defensively, he was breaking up play. He was starting <laughs> counters. He was. I thought he was quite good, mate, and he showed a bit more flair than he has done all season. He with his swinger, didn't he? With his right, he probably could do that. It, a it bit looked more like Mara's was enjoying the occasion because he didn't feel as much pressure as everybody else. Maybe because he's not played as many games. If that seems to be a moment to me in the game where. Uh, early on, he looked like the Mares we've seen, which is not quite engaged to me. Yeah. I mean, we know he's got ability, but not quite engaged. And there was there was a challenge he went for, and I thought, oh, this is typical Mares. And then he did a tackle in front of the bench where Pep was, and Pep immediately, I don't know, I don't know if it was literally or it's just my, it was just the body language, but it was like he gave him a big hug. And, and you know, and a, and, a, and a fist clench and said, that's what I want you to do, Riyad. And from that point onwards, I saw a different, a different attitude from him. I'm not saying that suddenly he's gone from being a player that has been very questioned by City fans to being a hero. And just the fact he scored the goal and the fact that we won on the last day doesn't turn all that around. But it did feel as if maybe there was a little bit of a... A eureka moment I, I for him. He, I, you could see it in his celebration. There was a lot of frustration there. I don't. Was he pointing to his ears or his head? Yeah. He, he was. He was gesturing something to the city fans. So I mean, hopefully now, you know, if we can push on. I'm not going to lie to you. In City Square, once we'd scored the goal and I'd celebrated, I was like that to everybody. Hands <laughs> <laughs> behind the ears, because if, if if you listeners do know and everybody in here knows, I'm a massive Mares fan, and I really think we're going to see Riyad Mares from Leicester, but with Pep's style next right. season. Who starts in the cup final then? Oh. <laughs> not Mara's. Well, Sa- well, Saleh got injured in the celebrations, didn't well, he? So he might not be. But KDB's back in the equation, isn't he? Yeah, you see him get injured in the celebrations. Celebrating, I pulled up. Yeah, I saw that. Who did? Saleh. Who did? Saleh get injured. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah, so he on the telly, he's just well, he's celebrating and then he's um, he's he's limping. He can hardly walk. He's having to. Um, he was on Walker's shoulder, putting his pressure on Walker's shoulder, giving it a bit like that. So he was he was hobbling off at the end. Um, He's not all so before was, the celebration. It was before, it was before the trophy was lifted. It was right at the end of the game while everyone while everyone was facing the crowd and we had Wonderwall on and stuff like that. So I'm not sure what's what's going to happen with that. It might have been nothing. He might have just got stood on, but he was certainly limping anyway. And then the camera went on to him. Um, I well, I think you you start Mares if you're talking about that that Eureka not moment. KDB. I wouldn't. I still wouldn't start him. It I came on, you know. Surely, I'd rather bring him on though if we were struggling. Yeah. I so would. you'd have KDB on the bench and start and I think pick the yeah. same team. To, you know how we were talking about company and Stones last week? How company scored at Leicester, but I would have started Stones. Mm. It's similar at Brighton. I would have started Sane rather than Mares in that game. But I think because Mares has had such an impact on the game and scored that goal, I think, yeah, you do start. You're just saying basically Pep's a genius, aren't you? Yeah, that's it. I am never going to question Pep. Under a 98 point. It was a genius decision. It was. I thought Mares might have played against Leicester from the start, to be honest, because 
40 to send Chilwell inside on that left foot and I think the predictability could have been what we needed in that game from Mahrez to take Chilwell out the equation and let Walker have space down the right hand side it didn't happen I think Mahrez was really good yesterday I really rated him I'm going to throw this one in because the Manchester Evening News did a poll um, ahead of that game at Brighton I can't remember if it was on Saturday or Friday saying who would start Foden at Brighton um, and I noticed that the end result was basically two thirds wouldn't have started him and one third would do we see a possibility, whether it's right or wrong, you can debate, as to whether Foden suddenly gets a start at yeah, Wembley? I can see that. Like you say, whether we agree with it or not, because he's, he's not been amazing the past couple of games, I think we can all agree. He's ob- obviously, he's only 18, still needs the match experience. I'd give him a start, but I wouldn't expect... I wouldn't accept, expect I, when I, he I went up for a medal at Brighton, I mean, I don't know how much of this you saw on TV <laughs> or in the square, yeah. but he got as big a cheer as the absolute hero. So as certain players went up, they all got... you know Obviously, they went up with uh, Sandler and Murich and people like that early on who got great applause, but not them yelps that you get. The first one that got the yelp was Foden, and then after that, Aguero, Silva, company all got them, yes. But he got more of a cheer than some of the players I would consider to be the heroes this season. So there is a a lot of idolisation of it. It's a romance. That's what you want. It's the romance. So is that enough to give him a start? No, No. not at all. It's just just because you're willing him to do well, but he's not doing well enough to start, in my opinion. I'd love for him to be the new... Flipping Iniesta or whatever and turn up and be great, but at the minute he's not, and I wouldn't start him out of romance and out of love for him. You know, you've got to pick the best team at the best team, and I think the team that went out and won at the weekend should then be rewarded by being the exact same team that goes out, providing everyone's fit. I think not. I won't change the team, mate. But to to argue against myself, it depends on if De Bruyne is fit to start, I'd be starting De Bruyne, I'd be taking Maras out and putting Bernardo out wide, but if if, if uh, Kevin De Bruyne isn't fit to start there, it's the exact same team. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be messing about with it then. I couldn't move Bernardo out of the team uh, to the right-hand side because I think that he's majestic in, in, in the position that, which I think he's going to be playing in for the foreseeable future for us. I sent a tweet this morning, somebody saying that if it's De Bruyne and Bernardo in, as the midfield two in front of the sitter next year, then that's going to be unbelievable. They've hardly played together, have they? They haven't. Madness. So imagine how good they would be if they would... I mean, we can't say how good they're going to be because we've not seen them together. But looking at their individual talents and their individual attributes and the styles, you mix them together, it's synergy, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Two players seem to be, uh, you know, there's a question mark over their futures. Everybody's wondering whether the way company reacted to the last game against Leicester and indeed yesterday, tears and, and all this sort of stuff, is indi- and the way that the players have all sort of gathered around him is some sort of indication that he knows he's coming to the end of his time at City um, and... Of Gundogan, of course, is I think, has he got two years left on his contract? But yeah. it's certainly so one. It's the next season next that he's season. gone, so we need yeah. to either time down to a contract or sell him, don't we? But obviously, there's a question mark about his future. So, me personally, if he was on one leg on a crutch, I'd keep Vincent company and sign him for at oh, least yeah. one more year. <laughs> I would, uh, and I'd be I'd be on my hands and knees to him, saying, Vincent, forget being the president of Belgium or whatever it is you've got in mind, <laughs> you stay at this football club. And, and But I'd be saying that about Gundogan. And I, I can remember at Christmas time uh, on the podcast, and just when you talk to fans, there wasn't a lot of love towards Gundogan. But now he feels to me as if in this last month, maybe two months, Gundogan and Bernardo have been the two Abs- and maybe Aguero to a certain extent and then later company. But in the con- consistently... 
Gundogan and Bernardo have been the two absolute gems in this team. I think if you can perform up to a point where you don't even miss Fernandinho, you're doing all right, really, aren't you? Because we haven't, we haven't missed Fernandinho. Gundogan, even when he's more running. further forward, he, yeah. he, he looks decent to me. Well, not decent, brilliant. Yeah, he's gone from looking, I thought... Uh, good everywhere, um, like like Milner used to be good everywhere, but then was never amazing and could never nail down one position. To being great uh, and and really stand out in the more advanced position and in the holding role as well. So he's got a leaps and bounds. I mean, I was criticising him. I would have sold him in summer um, at Christmas, but now you know I've timed out for as long as he wouldn't. Oh, yeah, he I think he's really stepped up, hasn't he's he? He's class. We said he were a future player, didn't we? Remember on the podcast months back, we said. He's, he, he sees things that other people don't see. He can sit and he can be a deep-lying playmaker. He can sit in front and he, he can play in any of them positions. You could play him in a diamond and, and he'd play in, in a midfield forward. He'd play in central area. Anywhere, he's, he's that good. And I think Gundogan's so intelligent and he hasn't got the credit he's deserved. But I'm not, I don't mean this to sound like I'm Billy Big Balls or anything. Pardon me, French. But, um, <laughs> not even that it was French, but uh, je ne sais quoi, uh, if you want to. Uh, but yeah, and I'm better than anyone else. But what I mean is, um, when you see a player that you've backed all season, turn it on and perform and, and start getting the plaudits that you've known he's deserved all season. She hasn't, I don't think he deserved yeah. it all season. He you deserved anything all season for me. I mean, I've, I've always been a Gundogan fan. I've always been a Mares fan. But I think when I've... When I've started to see other people now say he is actually as good as you've said he is, it, it kind of feels good for me as well to know that I've been with him all the way through. I, I get that. Do you know Alan, what I'm saying? But are, are you ever wrong? I am wrong <laughs> at times, but I think when... I, th- you, I always... Can I just ask you, do you not think the criticism was warranted slight... Maybe it was over over dramatic the, the way Mahrez is criticised as well but do you not think it was warranted the criticism he had up until because I think he's stepped up over the last few months and he now is rightly getting praised but do you yeah, not think he did I do deserve but to then be I think that goes back to what Ian said before about the intelligence and the um, the understanding of the fans to, to, to let a player adapt into a new yeah. system so I think that they were expecting an immediate impact from him that maybe wasn't going to happen and they've started to notice now that the longer and longer he's getting to play, he's going to get there. But yeah. with Gundogan, I mean, I am wrong sometimes, and everybody's wrong, but I think the fact that I've... I've We're all wrong, I've, I've, I was yeah. only the <laughs> No, 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 no. I've, I've based it on knowledge of players and, and what I know they can do when they're at the very best. I love your passion, mate. So I've always, I've always kind of always wanted to be on the other side of it and be more optimistic than pessimistic. Just in case, and that's why that. we love you. I've done that with a title race as well. I've I've maintained that we'll hundred days to go. It's only this long, and and obviously I could have been left with egg on my face, but I would have ate the egg afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, mean? I wouldn't have been bothered because I'd have known that I'd have felt worse if I'd not have been that optimistic than if I'd not have been that optimistic and we'd not done it. Do you know what I mean? Right, I want to finish with one subject which isn't on this um, plane of optimism because it's a subject that fans do care about. Uh, we are five here. Um, the FA Cup final is this weekend. Me and Matty are going to the game. You, uh, oh, and um, also Will's going to the game. Two of you are not going, basically because you can't afford it. Yeah. Uh, City have sold out their allocation. I believe that's 32,000, uh, which I, I argue to my, to my mate uh, when we were discussing this on the way down to Wembley. I can see both. I was playing devil's advocate even in the car talking to me, mate. And I was saying, well, hang on a minute. If if that's the price of the tickets and they sell out, then that proves that that is the price that it should be set at. You know, uh, because 
You know, if it wasn't sold out, like the League Cup final is harder to sell. So therefore, the ticket prices are lower. So therefore, the fact that it's sold out, the FA, whether we agree with it or not, or whoever sets these prices will say, well, that proves that the price is right because it's still sold out. I do feel for you two that you can't afford to go and that your place will go to somebody who can afford to go. So I've got to bring Matty in here and I don't want expect you, Matty, to say anything that's confidential. So, if, okay. But I know you've had City Matters meeting and yes. I know that's been a subject you've discussed. And you told me a few things before about various things that you found out. If any of that you can share with us, do it. If you can't, I understand. Yeah. But was was cup final tickets, were ticket prices discussed? Obviously, the club don't get a lot of say over the way cup final tickets can be distributed, the prices. Obviously, they don't get a lot of say in that. But they do get a say in their own prices. And I think they follow a similar structure where it's supply and demand. So last season, we complained about ticket prices going up but we sold out season tickets and they could have probably put on 5,000 more and sold it out. So as, as far as the club can see it, the prices are right because they're getting value for money. The fans are getting value for money. They don't necessarily see what we see, which is the fan base hasn't changed. So even though the club is getting better and better, stronger and stronger, better on the pitch, the fan base isn't... Well, yeah, we're not earning five grand more yeah, every 10 exactly. years, you know what I mean? It's we're not earning more because the club are, but... The problem is that they see new fans coming and they see the fact that there's going to be more demand. So they therefore the, the justification is that the supply and demand is there. So I think that is a, a problem that we're going to have to fight a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll try my utmost because I'm a working class City fan and I know as much as any City fan that it, it's a struggle and I'm only going to the cup final because of, because of Man City. Um, I wouldn't have been able to afford it and... It, it, it is a real shame the the situation we're in in the fact that you lucky boy. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I don't no, mean that like a brand though. Um, but yeah, it is a shame that the the supply and demand is there, and the only way you can really make changes is, is if the demand isn't there. Same with the cup final tickets. But then you wouldn't want that, would you? So you've got to exactly. want something that you and, don't want and to. And the, yeah, the other to side get of the coin is that they are fair prices. I think in general, city city's ticket prices aren't that bad for the the quality of football we get to watch compared to the prices Arsenal fans pay in Tottenham. I don't think we have it horrendously, but it would be nice for them to to show a bit more appreciation to the fans and not raise the prices, but. I think maybe they, they will look at it from the side of they can reduce single match day prices by um, raising the prices of season tickets. and it so, you, so you're saying season tickets are going to go up again? It, it looks that way. Um, I can't tell you anything about how much they're going to go up or anything like that. I think if it, I, my argument was if they'd have been in the meeting room, if all the fans were in the meeting room, they would see the justification a little bit more. And my argument was that the club have to be more transparent with fans about why these things are happening, and then the the, the fans won't be so against it. because I was. There's no justification for it to happen, though, in my opinion, because ticket sales goes nowhere near to a percent as. Yeah, but they still have things. targets to hit. I know from a business point of view, I'm with well, you. Why, why have we got targets for match day? Why do we need 
Why do we need that money? Why I don't understand what what does that money contribute towards? Why where is it going? That that minute percentage of match day tickets, that increase, that little little increase in in the massive margin about of the two million, profits, I think it works out on a match day. It's absolutely nothing. So what, yeah, in terms who, of tickets, who's so. that keeping up at night at the end of the season? Oh, we we lost. You know, we won we won three trophies. We got great support, but you know what? We lost half a million on ticket sales this year. Oh, what a shame! I don't. I just don't see why there's so much importance on it being increased by that. It's the, it's the business plan, isn't it? They see, they see the demand is there. They'll sell out. And I, I, I'm, I'm on your side. 100%. So this FA Cup debate that we're having about tickets is really the same debate about City's yeah. ticket prices. And I'll, I'll have that debate with them till the cows come home. Was it? But, sorry, Matt. Was, yeah, was it last week? You were somebody was telling us about the uh, the Belgian fans. Yeah, I mentioned about the Belgian fans all yeah, what yeah. all marched to the cup final and yeah. said, you know, we we're not paying this prize, we're gonna sell our own tickets. The eighteen ninety four group put out a statement today. Um, about the cup final tickets and they said that the media need to do more there needs to be more articles about ticket prices and a campaign needs to be introduced the fans themselves need to do more we don't get together enough I think fans of all clubs do need, need to come need to get together. being tribal I've always the said this not there. The, demand, well, the demand won't be uh, there if we protest about because, it because the season tickets are so cheap compared to the match day prices I'll tell you and I hope I don't get in trouble for telling you this but only 15% of season tickets were used for every game this season and over 100 tickets weren't used for any game so maybe fans that are more well off can buy a season ticket to get the loyalty points that is a shocking statistic yeah, so you're saying 19 basically when you buy a season ticket you're buying a, a 19 tickets yeah right so only 15% of the people who who who, are, who bought a ticket for nineteen 40, games 40, 40, actually attend all nineteen that's games. That's not just the seat being filled. So if you give your ticket to a mate, that doesn't count in that percentage. It is just the fact that the seat. There was, I think it was Cardiff or what? I think it was Watford. There was seven thousand seats not filled. I couldn't believe that. Looking around the stadium, but paid I thought, for. What? Yeah, but they were paid for. So this argument about empty seats, we sell out on practically every game, but. It's just season ticket holders who don't turn up for whatever reason. And I argued with the club that it was about the fact that TV scheduling had an impact and people can't plan uh, and stuff like that. So I'm not agreeing with them. But the fact that 7,000... And I argued that they need to make it easier to sell tickets on. That was my stressed, uh, argument that I stressed a lot, that you need to be able to just go on an app, click your button and your t- ticket's available for someone like that. Um to make it easier so that we do... It's funny that because... because this might not be very cool for you, but I'm going to see the Backstreet Boys in Manchester Ooh, next right. week with my wife and um, back, son. Yeah. Right. Jesus right. band. Uh, <laughs> so we, we booked uh, tickets quite a while ago, and only this morning I get uh, from Ticketmaster um, a, an email saying... Uh, hopefully you're still going to the concert, but if you're not and you want to sell your ticket, just click on this button yeah. and we'll sell it for you. That's how easy it is. Yeah. And that actually shocked me because I thought, obviously, um, I, I don't want to admit too much that I like the Backstreet Boys, <laughs> but, but I do actually like yeah. them. But if I'd clicked on that button and the ticket, had, uh, the ticket's gone. I'm thinking, exactly. I, mean, I don't want to touch yeah, that button. Exactly. Whatever. And I want That's it that how way. easy it is. I want it that way for city tickets. <laughs> 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 I love it. Absolutely love it. Unbelievable. 
But uh, no, but genuinely, I do want it that way for City tickets. And it should be that easy because we are selling out the games, but it needs to be easier because but then, fans can't But attend. then do you not come to the situation where you've got people buying a season ticket, getting all the loyalty points and selling it off for every single game? So you've got people in the queue for a season ticket who are never going to get one because yeah. you've got this lad buying a ticket, selling off each individual game as his own separate... So he's getting his money that, back. That could be happening. And on the, but he's keeping it for the derby. On the ticket Liverpool exchange, so that definitely get, is happening get, uh, right now. One nineteenth of your season ticket back, you don't get the price of that match day ticket. There's a, there's a group on Facebook, um, uh, Face Value. Ticket exchange, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a guy in there, and he's literally, every post that goes in, he is on it. Like, he must have his notifications, like, wired up to his house with an alarm or something. <laughs> Soon as the post goes in, someone looking for a ticket for Brighton, or someone looking for a ticket for the Leicester game, he's straight on there. As uh, soon as somebody says, I've got a ticket, he's straight on there saying, yeah, but is it one nineteen for your season card? And they go, well, I was looking for 58. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Uh, and that is the problem that we've got. Do you know what I mean? Is that, that's having, why you're talking between, about the gap, yeah, mate. You're not having between, 58 quid for that ticket, yeah, mate. You're you having, just, just explain that, because people so listening might not understand that. This was the argument that they made in the meeting, was that, Season tickets are so much cheaper than if you, if you bought nineteen match day tickets, yeah. it would cost you so much more than it would for your season tickets. So therefore, they argued that the value for money is incredible. They see it as a really good thing. But rather than reducing the price of single match day tickets, they think the way to to even the gap is to increase and maybe and they said maybe they can decrease the in individual match day tickets so that the gap is bridged a little bit mine's 20 so that, quid a game it works out mine 400 uh, quid it is mine how much, exactly. how much is an average match ticket 58 oh. quid 58 for an adult and so then yeah. I think it's and 35 saying, for a child you're saying 20 is mine's 20 it works out mine's 20 that's a big gap isn't it I pay like 27, 28 matches and when, they, when, they, when you see yeah. that when you're in the meter room you see that you go okay I can understand a little bit but I said you need to get this out to the fans and they're worried about the media and how they might portray it and blah blah but I said to stop, you should only care about your fans. Your fans should come first. F the media. What They're going to write negative articles about City. Whatever happens, just worry about your own. Worry about the City fans, what they think. Well, I think we, as, as this podcast, should applaud Matty because you believe no, no, in no, transparency. No, 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 no. I know we've applauded you once already, so I'm not going to do it literally again. But the fact that you are prepared... To, to do what you are actually saying other people should do, which is tell us what's going on and be transparent. Yeah. And I think that you should be, you should be as a representative of, of the people that you're... It's like a little mini-MP, aren't you? Yeah, you know, going you, out to the constituents. Uh, I might start a petition, might board the directors. But you, but you are Shit representing Matthew. your people properly. You're not just going into a, a private meeting, hearing what they've got to say. You are using this... Yeah. Platform to tell people what what is going on, and uh, I think that's great. Well, that's the whole reason I wanted to do it is because I'm a I'm a working class city fan, and I care about this club as much as anyone, and I want it to be the best for the club, and I want it to be the best for the fans as well. And it it is a long hard process, and maybe there are people involved that aren't necessarily football people. I'm not suggesting anyone that I've spoke to is like that, but maybe the people at the top of the tree are very business orientated, and it is difficult to to sway them when, when things are going so well and, and it is difficult but I will, I will continue fighting and I'm sure the rest of the members of the City Matters Board will continue to, to try and make the, the beautiful football we see on the pitch beautiful off it as well. 
Right, well, we're going to end the podcast there. Um, next week, um, we believe there's going to be a parade on the Monday, uh, win or lose after the FA Cup final. I don't know yet whether to suggest, and we'll talk about this when we end the podcast, that we meet a bit later than normal on the Monday after the parade and do a podcast or whether we do it on the Tuesday. But either way, we will, of course, do a podcast next week. Um, and we thank, once again, Hot Click Marketing for their support. And uh, f- feel free to go on. Uh, when I tweeted out, certainly see at hot underscore click, or you can just search Hot Click Marketing, and then you can see what they do and, and support them like they're supporting us. Um, but thanks very much to the guys for you guys for being here. Our we're pleasure celebrating in the season. Food. Thanks for having us. Maybe we, I mean, I sounds a bit cliche this, but maybe we should finish with a little song at the end. What do you think? <laughs> hey? Champion! Champion!